Well, good morning. My name is Matthew, and I serve as the student pastor here at our Brandon campus. And uh, Pastor Corey, he's away today on vacation, spending some time with his family. And over the next couple of weeks, he's actually going to be visiting some of our other campuses, Palm River, Riverview, Apollo Beach. But I'm excited to be with you as we kick off a brand new teaching series called Unoffended. And I will do my best to not be offended by the look of disappointment on many of your faces that Pastor Corey isn't here this morning. You know, I'm not sure if you've realized this or not. Uh, Maybe you've been living in a cave the past couple of years or you don't have access to Wi-Fi, uh, but people are very easily offended these days. Have any of you noticed that? Have any of you kind of felt that? We live in what I'm gonna call a culture of offense. A culture of offense. People have found a way to be offended by just about anything and everything. They're offended by uh, what they see on social media, by politics, by religion. They're offended by by sports. They're offended by, by a virus. There is this hypersensitivity that has really developed in our culture over the past decade. And if someone is bothered by someone else, or something kind of rubs them the wrong way, well, then they feel that they have the right to be offended. But it's not just enough for them to be offended. They also feel the need to let everybody else know that they're offended. They feel the need to go to social media and post about it. They feel the need to send the nasty email They feel the need to leave the bad review on Yelp. They feel the need to talk and tell everybody except talking to the person who actually offended them. But unfortunately, this hypersensitivity, this culture of offense, I believe it's kind of crept its way into the church. And I'm not talking specifically about Bell Shoals, but the church in America. Those who claim to be followers of Jesus seem to be just as offended as everybody else. They seem to be just as outraged as the culture around them. You know, we've seen Christians jump on the bandwagon of cancel culture. Like if somebody does something or says something wrong, they're they're, they're done. We've seen Christians blast people on social media. We've seen Christians demonize people with different views. We've even seen Christians attack other Christians who have different views on secondary issues. Many followers of Jesus, they have gotten swept up in this culture of offense. But here's what I wonder, here's what I want us to think about this morning. Is this really what Jesus wants from us? Like, is this really what what Jesus desires? I mean, as his followers, doesn't he have a better way forward? Doesn't he have a better way for us? A better way than the hypersensitivity? A better way than the outrage? A better way than the constant offense? So during this series, here's what we're gonna gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about living an unoffended life in a culture of offense. How you and I, how we can live an unoffended life in a culture of offense. And here's the one rule I have for you this series. You're not allowed to be offended by anything that I say. I'm just kidding, sort of. So this morning, we're gonna take a look at a passage found in Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five, if you have your Bibles, got your iPhone, go ahead and turn there. 
And Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of what is often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' most famous sermon. And in this sermon, we hear some of Jesus' most famous and well-known teachings and sayings. But this sermon that Jesus gave, it wasn't like a Sunday morning sermon where he got up on a stage, on a platform, talked for 45 minutes, and then, then called it a day. This sermon, most people speculate, actually lasted over multiple days. And what we have in Matthew 5 through 7 is kind of the, the spark notes version, the highlights of everything that Jesus covered. And at this point, Jesus' ministry was really beginning to, to grow rapidly. He had developed a, a pretty large following. And on this particular day, there was a loud, large crowd there to hear him. And many of these people, they were beginning to speculate. They were beginning to wonder, is this the Messiah? Is this the Savior that we've been waiting for? Is this the guy who's going to finally free us from Roman oppression? And as they gathered that day to hear Jesus talk, I can imagine many of them almost went there thinking, this is like a political rally. Jesus is going to cast his vision for his people. He's going to inspire us. He's going to rally the troops. This is the start of a great political movement. And then Jesus, he stands up to teach, and he starts by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. And blessed are those who mourn. And blessed are the meek. And blessed are the peacemakers. And those who are listening are thinking, what is he talking about? Like, this isn't what we came to hear. Blessed are, are, are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. No, 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 Jesus. Now is our time. This is our opportunity to rise up, to take back what belongs to us. But then Jesus continues and he says this. Blessed are you when people insult you. And blessed are you when people persecute you. Blessed are you when people say all kinds of false things about you. In fact, I want you to rejoice and be glad about it. And people are thinking, what, what, is, he, what is he talking about? And then Jesus, he begins to take these Old Testament commands, ones that everyone who was listening would have been familiar with. And he began to raise the bar on what he expected and what he required. He said, you know, you, you've heard it said to not murder. And everyone there that day was like, yeah, Jesus, we, we know that. That's one of the, the Ten Commandments. He says, but I tell you, don't even be angry with somebody. That if you hate somebody in your heart, it is the same thing as, as murder. And he says, you, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. And they're like, yeah, we, we know that one too. And then he says, well, I tell you, don't even look lustfully at someone. He's taking these Old Testament commands. He's raising the bar on what is expected and what is required of those who follow him. And then verse 38, where we pick up today, he does this again. He says, you've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And here Jesus is quoting a law from the book of Exodus. A law that said the punishment must match the crime. It must match the offense. And the purpose of this law wasn't to encourage retaliation. The purpose of the law was to serve as a formula for the judicial system. It made sure that excessive punishment was not done, that, that the, 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 the punishment wasn't more than the initial offense. But of course, as with any law, people began to, to manipulate it. 
They began to take advantage of it and twist it. And people were becoming their own judge and executioner. They were taking personal vengeance and they were using this law as license to respond and retaliate however they wanted. But listen to what Jesus says next in verse 39. He says, this is what the law says. This is what you know. But this is what I say. I'm going to raise the bar. Do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now you read this and you think like, really? I mean, I mean, seriously, Jesus? And it's so important for us to understand the context of what Jesus is saying. Otherwise, it can lead to some pretty bad interpretations. Here, here's what Jesus isn't saying. Jesus isn't promoting pacifism. He's not encouraging us to never take a stand against what's wrong. He's not encouraging someone to subject themselves to, to physical abuse. That's not what Jesus is talking about. You see, in their culture, a slap to, the, to, their, to their cheek, a backhanded slap, it wasn't so much a physical assault, it was a personal insult. In fact, a slap on the cheek was one of the most demeaning acts that you could do towards somebody else. It was a way of showing complete disregard and disrespect for somebody. It was an attack on their honor. And Jesus says, listen, rather than trying to get even with that person, rather than trying to come up with a punishment that matches the offense, I want you to embrace the offense. And now I want you to go as far as willingly enduring the offense again. I want you to turn the other cheek. Don't resist an evil person. Don't resist somebody who offends you. And then Jesus says this in verse 40. He says, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. And here Jesus is, 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 is using another example that was very specific to their context. And this shirt that he's talking about is kind of like a, an undershirt. And their coat is their outer garment. And most people, they owned one coat and one or two shirts. Like they didn't have a whole lot of possessions. And the Mosaic law said that it was illegal to take somebody's coat from them. Like that, that, that was a, a huge offense. You could not take somebody's coat because it was such a valuable possession. But Jesus tells them, rather than fighting back and resisting, if somebody sues you for your shirt, go ahead and give them your coat as well. He says, I want you to rightfully give up what belongs to you. I want you to surrender something that is incredibly valuable to you. No, the law doesn't require this, but this is what I expect from you if you're gonna follow me. And then Jesus, he raises the stakes even more in verse 41. He says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. And at this point, like the people are done. They're thinking like, are you kidding me? Because up until this point, Jesus had been talking about a personal offense between two Jews, being wronged by someone who is like you. But now he's talking about their enemies. People who consistently mistreated them and belittled them. This was extremely personal for them. You see, there was this, this common practice where Roman soldiers would force Jewish citizens to carry their gear for a mile. And this wasn't done because they were, they were tired and needed a rest and needed a break. Like, hey, do you mind helping me out? This was a way to show their dominance over the Jewish people. 
It was a way to disrespect them and to belittle them. And Jesus is telling those who are listening, look, whenever they force you to carry their gear, I don't want you to just suck it up and get it over with. I want you to willingly go further than you're required to. I want you to go out of your way to serve people who are mistreating you and belittling you. And then Jesus ends with this in verse 42. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. And now Jesus is getting into their financial business. He's starting to talk about their their personal possessions. And he's saying, I want you to be more generous than the law requires you to be. If somebody comes and they ask you for, and they ask you for something, don't, don't make it a loan. Don't hold it over their head. Don't remind them of it. Just give it to them. If somebody wants to borrow something from you, just let them have it. Don't make them earn it. Don't remind them of the time where they've lost it before. If they want to borrow, let them have it. I want you to lay aside what belongs to you for the benefit of somebody else. Now, I don't want what Jesus is saying here to get lost in translation. Because these examples that Jesus is is giving aren't ones that are really relevant in our culture today. These aren't things that that we suffer on on a day-to-day basis. So what I've done is I've taken these verses and put them into modern-day context and language. This is the Matthew Angel translation of the Bible, and I'll be releasing this with Lifeway later this fall. But the reason I've done this is because I want you to, to understand how crazy what Jesus is saying here. So this is my modern day rendering of what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said, don't get mad, get even. But I tell you, don't resist a jerk. When someone cuts you off and shoots you the bird, smile and wave. When your neighbor complains to the HOA about your lawn, go ahead and cut their grass for them. When that obnoxious relative invades your home for Thanksgiving, offer them your bed and the remote. Give to the friend who is always mooching off you and let your brother-in-law borrow your golf clubs. Like Jesus is intentionally being absurd. He's going for shock value, kind of how we've seen the last few weeks in the parables. He's being extreme, and he's doing that in order to get our attention to prove a point. And this is what he's saying. When you are wronged by somebody else, and you're going to be wronged by people, this is what he's saying. The offense is outside of your control. But being offended is within your control. The offense, the wrongdoing, what they do to you, you have no control over that. You can't stop that. You can't prevent that. But being offended is within your control. It is a response. It is a decision. And Jesus is saying, you are going to be wronged by other people. People are going to insult you. People are going to take what belongs to you. Your enemies are going to mistreat you. People are going to ask too much of you. But just because you suffer the offense 
it doesn't mean you have the right to be offended. Because being offended is in your control. Being offended is a choice that you make. And Jesus tells us, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to take up your cross and follow me, then you must lay down your right to be offended. You must lay aside what you feel entitled to. If you're going to follow me, you are giving up your right, your entitlement to be offended by personal insults and wrongdoings. So here's what this might look like in your life. When you receive that passive aggressive email from a coworker, or when someone is rude to you at the grocery, they, they cut you off and act like they didn't even see you. Or when somebody posts something just ridiculous and ignorant on social media. Or when somebody speaks to you in a dismissive and rude tone. Rather than getting worked up about it. Rather than getting angry. Rather than feeling wronged. You make the decision to not be offended. You lay down the right to take up the offense. You say, yes, they wronged me. Yes, technically I have a right to be offended and to be angry and to to, to maybe even retaliate, but I'm going to lay down that right because I am a follower of Jesus. Now, trust me, I get that what Jesus is saying here is incredibly difficult and demanding. I I don't wanna downplay the difficulty of this. Like this is not our normal human reaction and response when somebody wrongs us. When we're wronged, we want to get angry. We want to even the scales. We want to get back. We want to retaliate. But here's what I love so much about what Jesus is asking from us. Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done himself. Jesus, throughout his life, consistently suffered offense. He was mocked, he was slandered, people falsely accused him, his closest friends and followers betrayed him and handed him over to be beaten and murdered. And Jesus, more than anybody else, had a right to be offended. I mean, Jesus would have been completely justified in whatever response he wanted. But he laid aside his right to be offended. He laid aside what he was entitled to. And Jesus even went as far as laying down his life for the very offenses that he suffered. He perfectly and completely modeled the unoffended life. He's not asking us to do anything he hasn't already done, and he's not even asking us to do it to the level that he did. So now, as his followers, as those who claim to believe and trust in Jesus, we should lead the way as the most unoffendable people on the planet. Not as a people who are outraged by the political landscape. Not as a people who are constantly offended over personal slights and and personal insults. Not as a people who are hypersensitive and worked up to the, to the culture around us, but a people who consistently show grace, love, 
and compassion. A people who are unoffended. Now I know some of you in this room this morning, in your mind, you may be pushing back a bit. And I, I, I get that. And, and here's what I think is, is, is the biggest pushback to, to this idea. But what about standing up for what is right? What, what about holding on to our convictions? I mean, shouldn't we be offended on God's behalf? Shouldn't we be offended by the sin in our culture? Matthew, look at our country. Look how we've left our Christian values. Shouldn't we be offended by what our country and our culture has become? Shouldn't we be outraged on God's behalf? Well, this morning, as we, as we kind of wrap up, I want us to take a look at a passage from the book of Romans. And here, Paul is writing to a group of believers who lived in Rome. And, and, and look, I, I know that many of us feel like our country and our culture has become a bit hostile towards our faith. And that, that, that has certainly happened. And, and I know we feel like our Christian values and beliefs have kind of been, been pushed to the margins. There, there's no denying that, that that's, that's happened. But what you and I experience on, on a day-to-day basis, it doesn't even come close to comparing to what these Christians endured. I mean, these Christians lived in a culture that was completely counter to their faith, that was in direct opposition to their values and their beliefs in a way that that none of us thankfully have ever experienced. And honestly, in a way that that I don't think any of us can really even fully comprehend. So I, I just want you to understand that context before we read what Paul says to these people living in this hostile culture. Listen to what he says, verse 14 of chapter 12. He says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Paul says, when when people persecute you, when they verbally abuse you, when they socially ostracize you, when they physically harm you because of your belief and, and, and your faith, don't retaliate. Don't be outraged. Don't curse them. Don't be offended by what they've done. But instead, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bless them. I don't want you to just ignore them and pretend it didn't happen. I want you to go out of your way to serve them and to bless them. And I want you to include them in your prayer life. I know you start your prayers in the morning asking God to to give you a great day and to help your spouse and your kids and your business and all those things. You know what I want you to put towards the top of your prayer list? Those people who are offending you. Those people who are mistreating you. Those people who are belittling you. Those people who are mocking you. And then Paul goes on in verse 17, he says this, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. He says, don't respond to the offense by by trying to get back at them, by trying to even the scales. He says, listen, your reputation as a Jesus follower is far too valuable for you to retaliate. 
Your witness as a Jesus follower is far too valuable for you to be offended and outraged at what they've done. And then he gives what what I think is one of the most difficult commands in the New Testament. He says, do whatever you possibly can to live at peace with everyone. Do whatever you can to live in harmony with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers, with those in the culture, with your enemies. And he says, pretty much, this is gonna require that most of the time, you're gonna have to be the one to take the high road because they're not believers. They don't know Jesus. They're not held to this expectation. You're gonna have to take the high road. You're gonna have to absorb the offense. You're gonna have to turn the other cheek. You're gonna have to go the extra mile. But I need you to do everything you possibly can to live at peace. And then he says this, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, here's what I need you to do. Here's what I need you to focus on. If your enemies are hungry, I want you to feed them. If they're thirsty, I want you to give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And then he finishes, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So as Jesus followers, Yes, we stand up against evil and injustice, absolutely. Yes, we stand up for what is right. Yes, we hold firm to our beliefs and our convictions. We do not waver in what we believe, but ultimately it's not our battle to fight. The battle belongs to the Lord. Justice, justice does not belong to us. It's not our responsibility to serve justice. Justice belongs to the Lord. And listen, God doesn't need you to be angry and outraged for him. He he, he doesn't need our help with that. He doesn't need us to be offended on his behalf. He's saying, look, I am well aware of the wrongdoings. I'm well aware of the offense. I'm well aware of the evil. I've got it. Like I haven't stepped off my throne, I'm still in control. Can you just trust me with that? And here's what I need you to do instead. I need you to love them. I need you to pray for them. Let me take care of the the messy parts. Let me handle uh, them getting what they they deserve. That's not your responsibility. I need you to love them. I need you to pray for them. Listen, our, our convictions as followers of Jesus they shouldn't lead us towards more anger, towards more hate, towards more division. They shouldn't lead us to to being unoffended all the time. Our convictions as followers of Jesus should lead us towards greater love, grace, compassion, and prayer. Our convictions should lead us to live unoffended lives. So this morning, I just wanna leave you with with a question to, to consider. Is there an an offense in your life that you just need to to lay down this morning? Is there an offense that you have just held onto for far too long? And that offense that you have held onto, it's starting to take a hold of you. 
Maybe for you, it's a, it's a personal offense. You feel wronged by, by a family member, by a friend, by a coworker, by a church member, and you've been holding on to that. And yes, you have every right to be offended by what they did. But this morning, Jesus is inviting you to lay down your right to be offended to choose instead to show them grace, to show them mercy, to go the extra mile, to turn the other cheek. Maybe for you, if you're honest, you are just constantly frustrated and angry with the culture around us. You get on social media, you watch the news, and you are just always outraged by what's going on out there, by that political group, by that social group, and it has you all worked up. Like it's affecting how you're living your life. And this morning, I think Jesus is just saying to you, I've got it. Like I I am well aware. I haven't fallen asleep. I haven't stepped away. I've got it. I will handle it. I don't need you to worry about that. Here's what I need you to focus on instead. I want you to love them. I want you to pray for them. I want you to show them grace and compassion. Bell Scholes, let's commit to be a people, to be a church that lives an unoffended life in a culture of offense. Let's be a people that follow the example that Jesus has set forth.